27 and verse 4, David starts out, One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, and that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord, and inquire in his sanctuary. There's a difference between his temple and his sanctuary. His temple is his body. The house of the Lord is his body, and we, we live in his body. And then in verse 8, he said, And God said, Seek my face. The Lord said to him, Seek my face. And my soul cried out, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Seek his face. It's just so beautiful. I want to go to Isaiah 40 this morning. <clears throat> and, you know, you, you can parallel... Isaiah with the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible, and, and like you can parallel each chapter based upon that number of the, of the book, you know, of the Bible, whatever, whatever it is. Like Matthew would be book number 40. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, and uh, the first one in the New Testament is Matthew. Matthew gives a genealogy uh, of Jesus, um, uh, Luke does as well, but Matthew does uh, in there. And, um, and I want to I wanna say this. God says to you, comfort, comfort my people with gentle, compassionate words. Uh, the, the Targum uh, here reads, uh, reads, you prophets prophesy comfort comfort the people. You look at the New Testament form of prophecy, it is to encourage, to build up, and to comfort. And, and the, Targum, the, the, the Targum here uh, reads this way, you prophets prophesy comfort, comfort to my people. You can see Jeremiah 31, 13 and 20, Zephaniah 3, verses 14 and 17. We'll probably deal with some of that uh, later. But he says, comfort, comfort my people with gentle, compassionate words. The Hebrew word here uh, um, contains a deep emotion, compassionate words that give relief and tender consolation to the people. They give tenderness, all right? They give tenderness. Speak tenderly from the heart to revive those in Jerusalem. Speak to the heart. Don't speak to the brain. A lot of us want to get a, a really good sermon. Um, and I know I, I was guilty of this to go after a really good sermon to get you to get into your brain so you can uh, so you can think. But you know something? Paul says this in First Corinthians. I didn't come to you with persuasive words of man. OK, we're not trying to persuade you to follow God. But we come to you with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Come to you with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Yes, you do need to go after the mind, but remember Paul's best written sermon, a record, recorded sermon that he ever wrote was the sermon at Mars Hill. I mean, he did everything in that one. He, he, he brought them in to his understanding by talking about this unknown God, which was a part of them. But remember what the Bible says about that. Few believed. 
It was one of the few times in the Bible it says only a few believed. Don't come after people with persuasive words of man. Go after the heart. It's in the heart. And I'm not saying manipulate them. What I'm saying is speak to their soul. Speak to the spirit. And proclaim that their warfare is over. Her debt of sin is paid for and she will not be treated as guilty. Prophesy to her what she, that she has received from the hand of Yahweh twice as many blessings as all her sins. Her debt of sin is paid for. If you're a Christian or not, the debt was paid. All you have to do is receive that payment for your sin. Hey, listen, Jesus paid for my sin. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, take everything in context. Should we sin that grace may abound? Come on, man. You know, as, as, as Joe Biden would say, come on, man. And she will not be treated as guilty. In Isaiah chapter 6, they touched the coal to his lips. And he said, uh, <clears throat> he says, um, uh, the angel came and touched the coal to his lips in verse 7. See, the burning coal from the altar has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is blotted out. Remember how grace is scandalous. We don't deserve what God has given us, but he gives it to us anyway. All of our sin was in the future when Jesus died for us. Jesus does not take into account the, the time of occurrence of a sin. He already paid for it. All we have to do is receive that payment and the debt is canceled out. How do we receive that payment? We come to the Lord, confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't leave us in that same spot. That's a good word, Tom. Thanks for sharing it. Verse 4, every valley will be raised up, every mountain will be brought low. The rugged terrain will become a level ground and the rough places a plain. Then Yahweh's radiant glory will be unveiled then all humanity will experience it together. Believe it, for Yahweh has spoken his decree. Go up on a high, verse 9, go up on a high mountain, you joyful messengers of Zion, and lift up your voices with power, you who proclaim joyous news to Jerusalem. Shout it out and don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Now Judah means praise and worship. Here is your God. All worship should point you to God. There's a difference between worship songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, choruses and stuff. There are prayer songs. There are, there are praise songs. 
Hymns declare God. Talk about the character of God. Psalms come out of your emotions. Hear my cry, O God, give heed to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to thee when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Thou hast been a refuge for me. That's what you do. That's, that's, a, that's a psalm. The hymns, the spiritual songs are songs that are spontaneous that you sing out of your heart. And then the prayer songs are prayers that you pray singing-wise. Look, here comes the Lord Yahweh, verse 10, a victorious warrior. He triumphs with his awesome power. Watch as he brings with him his reward and the spoils of victory to give to his people. He will care for you as a shepherd. He carries them close to his heart. I'm just going to skip on through here. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Who fully understands the spirit or is wise enough to counsel him? Whom does he consult to be enlightened? He teach, who teaches him the ways of justice? Who imparts knowledge to him? And I love this part because um, uh, uh, Eric Little read this as he was uh, getting ready for the Olympics while, while he, uh, the race was running that he was supposed to be in. Uh, he was actually preaching in the Church of Scotland in France at the time. And then he says this, even the nations are to him like a drop in the bucket, regarded as nothing more than dust on a scale. He picks up the islands like fine grains of sand. All, the Le all of Lebanon's trees are nothing more than firewood for him, nor are all, his, all its animals enough for a burnt offering. The nations are nothing in his eyes. And what that means is that uh, they are considered as though they were never created. And he regards them as absolutely nothing. Verse 21, don't you realize that God is the creator? Don't you hear the truth? Haven't you been told this from the beginning? Haven't you understood this since he laid a firm foundation for the earth? He sits on the throne high above the circle of the earth. Now remember, there was this flat earth um, theory going around and, and the Bible already had in there this sphere, this circle of the earth. To him, the earth, the people of the earth are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spread it open like a tent to live in. He reduces rulers to nothing and makes the elite of the earth as nothing at all. So don't, don't worry about the rulers of the earth. God isn't. Don't you know, verse 28, haven't you been listening? Yahweh is the one and only everlasting God, the creator of all you can see and imagine. He never gets weary. Or worn out. His intelligence is unlimited. He is never puzzled over what to do. He empowers the feeble, infuses the powerless with increasing strength. Even the young people faint and get exhausted. Athletic ones who uh, athletic ones may stumble and fall, but listen to this. But those who entwine their hearts with Yahweh will experience 
divine strength. They will grow new feathers like eagles. This is a symbolism of renewing your strength. They will rise up on, uh, on soaring wings and fly like the eagles, run their race without growing weary. They will walk through life without giving up. Those who are one with the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, that word wait is like a, is like a hunting term. It means, uh, it, means to, um, it means to lie in wait as a lion would lie in wait for its prey. It's a good word. This was kind of a short thing today, but I just wanted to, I want to encourage you. Your mission and your calling in life is to comfort with deep compassion. Give them comforting words. Prophesy. You who can prophesy. You who encourage people. Comfort them. I'm totally awestruck by the love of God. And I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, yeah, God is doing some great, great, and mighty things. And I see some greater things coming about. And I, and I bless you. And I thank you for, for joining me today. And, uh, and, and, and literally, like, for every day. I mean, I know that a lot of people don't get on when I'm live, but they watch it during the day. And, it, you know, it's encouraging to see the, uh, to see the comments. Um, you know, and all that. Well, anyway, you have a great weekend. Tomorrow is Sunday. Um, you know, those of you who have church tomorrow, go for it. Uh, those of you who watch church online, go for it. Those of you who, uh, who call friends and relatives, uh, body, the body of Christ and pray with, together, go for it. So that's what church is all about. Anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great day and we'll talk to you next time.